Yo, yo, yo. This is another edition of the Geeky Bros Podcast. I am filling in for the intro for Tactics, and I am just Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Big Geek Umar. How y'all doing today? Well, actually, how, do, how are you doing today, Darcy? <laughs> Me and... <laughs> Taxes is not going to jump up from the background. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we uh, unfortunately are missing our our boy uh, Tactics today. He is uh, indisposed at the moment, so therefore we uh, Darcy and I are going to be the ones discussing all the geeky news for this week. Yeah, and trying not to bore you with just two of us. I'm I'm, t- I'm kidding. <laughs> I do, it, it, we're clearly already off our game because we're we're used to the three man conversation. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not the one to press a start on the recording, so that's already weird. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's the agenda, Umar? Okay, so uh, we decided we would take advantage of the fact that uh, Tactics is not here, and since Darcy and I are the resident anime freaks of the group, we decided to go a little anime heavy this time. So uh, what I was thinking we were doing is talk about and review the ever amazing and still excellent th- that holds up no matter what full metal alchemist and also full metal alchemist brotherhood basically the entire full metal alchemist franchise fair fair but for me it's it's brotherhood because like it just it it it's it, it like i also because i just also recently rewatched brotherhood and i haven't rewatched the original so <laughs> i gotta say for me so it was weird because i watched uh the first FMA, I think I talked about this in a previous podcast when we were talking about dubs versus subs. I watched FMA, uh, the, the original series, ages ago, like when I was a uh, uh, up-and-coming anime uh, viewer. Thank you. Uh, you know, seriously, not like, you know, the Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball stuff that we watched on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Dra- Dragon Ball is legit. Sailor Moon is another thing, though. <laughs> oh, actually, I discovered a lot of people, a lot of guys watch Sailor Moon, but they just didn't say anything. We I'm, all watched Sailor Moon out here, okay? We, there wasn't a lot of anime, and they were cute girls, okay? Like, let's just not lie. <laughs> I'm just the one who brings it out. And like, I say it's a normal. Everyone else is like... 100%. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so um, back in the day, I watched FMA, and I was like, this is the shit. I, I, I was blown away. I was heartbroken, because I remember the first uh, the series finale for that show was hella depressing. Uh, and then they did that uh, movie, uh, I think it was like something of Shambhala, Conquest of Shambhala, something like that. Wait, there's a movie? Oh, there was a movie. That was, that was technically the series finale of the first series. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, buddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you just don't spoil it, but I'm like, I'm going to have to go Google and watch something <laughs> or, or make sure. It's been a long time since I watched the original FMA in general, so I'm not certain if like if i watched it and i forgot it's on netflix oh i'm definitely going to check it out later <laughs> yeah uh in terms of the movie i'm not sure if the movie's on netflix but uh yeah anyway so um those i watched uh like uh, hell I, I think i watched that like three times through the movie i only watched the one time because I, I i like no spoilers i just wasn't a huge fan of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but like it, it was decent yeah but when so I like I was coming into Brotherhood with a I don't know what they're going to do with this, and when I was going through, like 
like the 13 uh, episode mark, I was like, guys, we've seen like they are really rushing through this series because uh, in 13 episodes they did like 25. They did what was done in 25, and they were just like skirting through everything. So I, in my head, I was like, this this series has a nice, like nice animation, but it's nothing compared to the first series. And then the rest of the series happens, yeah. <laughs> and, and not only did it re- like like take the first one's place as like my number one of just their franchise but in like all anime fma brotherhood is like among my top favorites yeah it like re-watching it recently i was like this really stands up yeah. like i love the 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 ability for them to have humor and extremely dark moments like <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's not even just the dark it's the depth of character that it creates and the bonds amongst the, the characters like when the characters are having these deep moments as the series progress you know everything related to you know i forget i'm horrible with names but like um the 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 girl who's the friend of the Eldrick brothers, um, uh, Winry. We have Winry, um, and everything like like even her backstory or her understanding their story, and just everything between those brothers. And every time a character gets like um, you know onboarded to the, their history, and they're like, oh, that's what they went through. Oh, I want to help these guys no matter what. You know, like. Um, like once young people understand them, it's like it's so deep, and that's the thing. It's like I I can't believe how much like the older you get, the more you feel that even more. For me, I would like what I found to be rather impressive because like the first series did that too. It's like uh, they had the stereotypical tropes of the time. Like uh, they obviously took their time with each thing. So like the Lior thing was like two episodes. Everything was like a lot more uh, flushed out, and that and. Okay, spoilers from this point onwards, because we're going to talk about some like heavy events from this point on, because I just realized uh, we haven't said anything yet. I mean, it's been out for a while. <laughs> but let's say, let's say you, you're know, like, yeah, so everyone, uh, audience, we're going to start talking about specifics about Full, uh, full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but we will not talk about any specifics of any kind for the movie, so, because Darcy hasn't seen it. Sure. I got you, bro. So, uh... <laughs> I gotta say, when Shao Tucker and his daughter and the dog still mm-hmm. haunts me from the first series, it did like honestly when I watched it in Brotherhood, I was like, "That's a nice recap. That's it." But like the pain was from the first series. Got you. Same thing with Hughes. I remember uh, like it not I was in complete disbelief when Hughes died in the in the first series to the point that I was just like. Nah, man. Like, you know, he, he's. This is like. This is just a cover. This is just a cover. And then, the, like, the funeral scene happened. And I was like, "Oh shit!" And then, like, the the daughter's crying. I start tearing up. And then, when uh, when a Mustang starts crying, I was like, "I'm I'm gone. I'm just I'm just gone." So yeah, again, the second the second series kind of like did a nice recap of that in like a a decent way. Nothing compared to what was in the first series. So for me, I would say the first 25 episodes of Full Metal Alchemist still are better than the first 12 to 13 episodes of Brotherhood. But then everything after uh, after that point was just so complex, so methodical, so impressive in terms of scale, so outstanding in terms of history and mythology, and, and then like characterization. And just like how all the pieces just kept like it almost did like a game of thrones thing where everyone like went outwards and then everyone came back 
Interesting. But, like, but did it, you know, so much better than the ending of Game of Thrones. So the first time I watched FMA, it was a long time ago. So I don't really truly remember a lot of the differences. I mean, the similarities are easy to remember because I just watched the other one. So it's like, you know, they're pretty much similar scenes, right? Yeah. Oh, the same scene. But the thing I do remember about the first one and when I watched it, how I felt was when they got to the latter part where they got to like one, when they got into the seven deadly sins, I don't remember how accurate my memory is on this, but I feel like it, it felt more twisted, but it also it felt, it felt like it was more like it didn't make as much sense. And that's the thing that bothered I, me. I like, completely agree. I felt like they just went on some metaphysical something. And I was like, they went to this whole world bending time, something. And I was like, huh? And I still don't understand it. <laughs> like, like you had, because when it was dark and all the, the seven deadly sins were really getting twisted, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Then they got to this like mind bending thing. And I was like, I like, I think I rewatched a whole episode. Like, and I don't watch stuff twice back to back very often. Like, rarely. I rewatched the episode. And I was like, nah, I don't get it. I still don't, <laughs> don't understand. What are you, what are you saying? Right? Like, I need, I need, I need, I need, like, I need the Hulk to talk to, to, to that, to, to, the, to that woman and show me the timelines. I'm just confused right now. <laughs> but I, when I watched I, the second one, it was so, it was so much more better explained that I was like, no, nope, that's it. I like that. That's actually a definitive version for me. Yeah. I, I, I definitely see that. Cause like the first one, I would say like they, uh, <sighs> I would say once Dante got involved, like once we started to know who Dante was and like all of her, like that she was essentially what father was in the in the second series. Like I, I don't get me wrong. I like the fact that the homunculi were like basically everyone who's ever uh, tried to bring someone back. That's who the homunculi are. Like they're mm. just basically the cat, like the the failed experiments of people's love mm. and like decision for taboo. That was really like that yeah. was like up i actually kind of wish that was in brotherhood just because i mean i don't mean like exactly how they did it but that premise because that premise like even while watching brotherhood i couldn't remember all the details and i did think i was subliminally remembering that fact but i was thinking like they really should make these these the failed experiments because we've we've seen two people it would be interesting if we met more people who failed or you know, hear their backstory and whatnot. And just something interesting about the whole failed experiments turning into homunculi, and then how that is just like it's a it's a consequence that that keeps coming back to you. You know what I mean? And also, like I, I like the fact that Dante would essentially never have want of a sin. In fact, she, if anything, she would have too many. But I did like Brotherhood's uh, decision to stray from that in the sense that, like. They talked about how uh, you can you can't actually it can never be done because uh, for example Ed found out that who he thought he brought back wasn't actually his mom he brought back just like a a creature of his own making mm-hmm. which is kind of messed up yeah <laughs> not COVID um, <laughs> smooth. <laughs> But um, yeah, for me, what I what I found to uh, be there was less concise ending and writing for the first one. Don't get me wrong; it still it still was good. Like, for, and for my age back then, like I actually do want to rewatch FMA uh, now because the last time I watched it was probably like ten years ago. Same. Uh, Brotherhood, I I think I've rewatched as many times as FMA, but that was over the last ten years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So that's significantly more clear in my mind. But uh, yeah, FMA, I think I need to rewatch because I, I do want to know if, because I felt I, like I, I remember feeling the same way you do about the first series. It was great, but there they I did have some, and I didn't follow it totally. And to be honest, I thought I was because I was you know I, I was in my mid twenty mid to early twenties. I thought that I was no actually my early twenties at that point. I was in my early twenties, and I was just like maybe I don't get stuff. Maybe I need to still learn, like experience life and understand shit. But like now, I'm just like I'm pretty sure I can understand stuff. <laughs> You know, I feel like when these shows get to a point where they they're referencing, say, say, a mythology from some some nation's background. You know, like sometimes they'll reference Greek mythology. Sometimes they'll yeah. reference like you know Japanese mythology or Chinese mythology or Latin mythology, right? And they 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 do that. If you do that and you make the audience feel like they had to have read the books before you get there, you're you're, you're failing, right? You you need yeah. to explain enough right and yeah you gotta try to find your way to not make it exposition on exposition but you you do have to find your way to explain things you know if i was watching um this is totally random but i was watching um these youtube videos on fan manga for the one punch man series and this <laughs> and the guy was like they had this point where they had to explain some fourth dimensional god's powers and stuff like that and you're like they use the same technique as naruto and he's like, yeah, I like how they use that because, like, when they explain, like, a jujitsu that, like, you know, how it works, they do this visualization. And I'm like, it's, it is exposition, but it's done in such a fun way that it yeah. just separates itself from the rest of the show. It's like, hold on a second. We're going to do anime PBS. One second. <laughs> let's, just get, let's get this out of the way because you're never going to get this. And, and at least, like, they, they, they do that. They do a perfect explainer and get you through. And, yeah, you can't entangle, entangle that into every show. But, I mean you got to find a way. Otherwise you, you lose me. And I felt like that show just lost me at a point. And I was just like, um, okay, I'm just here for the cool, like visuals. Like I felt like yeah. I was like a 10 year old again. When you, you stayed up late and watched that super dark R rated anime, you're not supposed to watch and you don't get anything. And I'm like, I'm like, um, yeah, okay. I'm just here. Cause it looks good. And I'm, I'm hoping a boob pops out. That's it. Like, <laughs> I'm dumb. That's how I feel now. <laughs> Actually, because it, it, it was interesting. Because I, um, so okay. L let me ask you some uh, questions now. Which villain would you say like was your favorite in either or? Um. See, I don't really remember Dante that well, but I do feel like I got a darker, from what I can remember, a like this barely the scenes in my head, a darker tone that felt a little more ominous. Than father, but I do. I really like the. Uh, what do you? What was the the thing called in the bottle? It was like a hamaka something in the bottle. It uh, uh, yeah, it was like. Uh, oh God! It was, like it was slightly adjusted word from homoculus or homoculi. Homunculi. Like, oh man, Fla uh, something in the flask. Um, yeah, but yeah, but the, the thing in the flask. Let's, let's keep yeah. it unless you remember later. But the thing in the flask, I really like. I liked by the time we like got away from it. Dwarf, being, in the, dwarf in the flask. Dwarf in the flask. I really liked the dwarf in the flask part of it. Yes. I didn't so much like the father. I don't want to say father figure, but I mean the physical figure like that. I didn't like that as much. Um, it's cool, but it was kind of like whatever. But when it came to the dwarf part, I, I one thing I loved about Brotherhood is when certain sins got killed and you got to see them in their original state like envy hurt me this even the second time watching it when envy it comes to it, it, 
Envy's death and is that little like salamander creature that is like dying and it's so sad and it's holding on and it, it, what it's holding on to is what's killing it and all this stuff. I'm like, yo, that hurts. Like that really is painful. And I felt like the dwarf had like an element of that. I really liked those because there's something about the human nature that they were explaining that I liked. So for me, I would say like uh, the villain that was my favorite was probably Pride in the first one and Wrath in the second one. Oh, you're talking about which which particular like homocula? No, no, no. no. I, I was talking about just villain, like any kind of villain. And um, yeah, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yo, surprise, surprise! Look at this. What's going on, yo? Yo, everybody, we got our tactics back. Uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta go back to studying, so I'm not, uh, I'm not staying long. I just want to uh, wish you guys a good show. Thanks for holding it down in my absence, and uh, yeah, man. Yo, that's dope. And you come in here hella exposed, bro. Yeah, my bad. My fault. My fault. <laughs> no, you, you all good. I was just like, I've never seen you look so white. <laughs> the true nature is coming out. <laughs> Yo. I gotta, I gotta say, like, uh, I'm glad we didn't have like a cardboard cutout of you on the side in the corner, because uh, oh, like, right. yeah. otherwise this would be, we would have two tactics. Yo, yo, <laughs> that's awesome. Appreciate you coming through, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, uh, don't let me interrupt. Good luck, guys. Well, well, actually, actually, while you're here, while you're here, what are your thoughts on Full Metal Alchemist? So uh, that's a wrap on me for today. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. I am happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know I had something I was prepping to say. That's all, that's all I can. I don't know how to transition off of that now. I, I, I think I was saying something, but I don't. I don't even remember. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me put this way then. Uh, who is your uh, in in both of them? Uh, out of both of them, actually, out of both of them, which was your favorite side character or supporting character? Are you talking about the villains or just in general? In just in general. Supporting or side character? Ah, so many good ones. I, I'm talking about your top one. I don't know. Like, it's one of these shows where I feel like I, 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 I kind of like everybody. Like, a lot, a lot, like not equally, but like, there's so many people I like so much that I, I can't really put one person over another. Like, I, I want to say, like, it sounds like a cop out, but I really like, like, the main, bro like, the old eldest brother, right? Like, I uh -huh. really like him more, almost more than anybody, or, or more than anybody. And one of the reasons I like him is because at one point when Winry and, um, uh, not Edward, what's the other one? What's, um, Alphonse. Alfonso, Alfonso, Alphonse, Alphonse. Oh yeah, yeah. Alphonse, I I love Alphonse too. Like I love yeah. him. Um, there's the point where he's having a conversation with Winry, uh, and it's about like, um, them not bonding or something like that to some degree. And she's like, someone identifies with him that's like, it's in his action. His love is in his action, in 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 whatever. And his quietness at certain times, where he doesn't express things, I love that aspect about him because it's like he's not going to dwell on it; he's going to act on it. Uh, I love that 
fact, but there's just so many good characters to, for, to love. For me, I would say like my top favorite supporting character, it would have to be uh, oh god, uh, the teacher, their teacher, oh, Izumi. So good. She is just so dope. Yeah. I also really love um, what's his name's older sister from from Olivier? the wall. Oh, she she is amazing. <laughs> she, honestly, like when they said like uh, you know Armstrong's sister, I was like that one from the first one. Oh, and then you find out he's like no, he got another sister. He's a middle child. <laughs> yeah, she's just she's spectacular. Like yeah. every scene, how she controls stuff, how her men like are just like her whole how she controls that whole like all the guys how they act like they're oh i love that that part the northerners yeah they're, i would say like uh, so going back and i just remember where i i ended off before our, our tea interruption which you know is very welcomed um uh, so i was saying that i liked pride slash wrath uh i love his character because like basically a swordsman who just is like unparalleled with uh, like the perfect eye, that's awesome. But to be honest, I, I think I'm gonna have to re rechange that. I think Pride from Brotherhood is by far my favorite villain because while he's terrifying and his powers are like ridiculous, he's also the most perfect representation of what his sin is in the fact that he's mm -hmm. just, like, he, he even has pride amongst other homunculi. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. Ironically. I kind of think he's my least favorite, but I don't dislike him. Envy is my least favorite. You know, the thing is, is like, I don't like Envy and I love Envy. Like, that's how I feel about Envy. Like, because when it came to Envy's death, I felt for Envy. And the rest of the time, I hated Envy. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know why. I, I feel so conflicted about Envy because, like, I hated Envy, hated Envy, hated Envy. Got to the very end, I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. And, I, <laughs> and it was like, how it's like 95% of the time I hated you. And then 5% of the time, I'm like, I hurt for you as much as I, I hurt for a hero dying. Like, I, w I wonder if there's like a, a psychological aspect to that. Like, if someone could write a paper on people, on because each of the deaths of the homunculi. In the uh, in the in Brotherhood, were rather poignant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm and I'm wondering if that has some sort of, if you have like a reaction to it, if it has some sort of relevance to that. I feel like lust is the one that was super underutilized in Brotherhood. Like it, she was just kind of like she died quickly. I don't but feel like she definitely. Yeah, but her, her it wasn't poignant. Like it didn't. That's it didn't, true. It didn't tie back to. To the premise of her character, um, and speaking of that, maybe another it character could, it maybe it could, but I feel like it's it's a it's a harder stretch compared to Agreed. the examples of like how Envy died, where it's like it's such a spectacle about around that that death, and not in terms of the visual, but the emotional aspect of it. Uh, well, let's see. Like, Gluttony got eaten itself by yeah. Pride. Pride was. What happened to Pride? How did, like, Pride eventually became a child again, but I'm trying to remember how he lost all its power. Greed was, I think greed was taken by father. Pride was, was guard by father? No. I think Pride was running out of power. Oh, yeah. No, ran out of power and broke. Yeah. And uh, Lust got burned to death. And um, yeah. Greed was also very interesting. 
but anyway, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, well, I, I guess we've we've answered that stuff. So, um, for me, I would say that uh, I would say the in terms of endings, again, I'm completely in agreement with you. Brotherhood was where it was at for me. Uh, I felt that it was kind of difficult for me to get my head around back in the day over FMA's ending. In terms of main villains, I like even though Father was less. Yeah, I still prefer Father over Dante. I like Dante a lot, but like for her, she she creeped me out. Father, he more was someone arrogant to be defeated. So it's like he's more he's less to be feared and more to overcome. Dante actually creeped me the fuck out. Hmm. I I prefer either to be really creeped out by a, a villain or to be. Um really enamored with their like intelligence or their premise like thanos isn't like the most intelligent he's not dumb he's just not like he's not like the joker where you're like surprised at the amount of planning you can't, you can't keep up with him you it? can't keep up with him you can keep up with thanos you know exactly what he's going to do it's fairly rudimentary but you, you, the whole overwhelming power and 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 his premise of his argument i'm like blown away by it. i felt i just felt like father was kind of like if everything else wasn't built up around father by the time you got to like really seeing father you would have been like okay this guy's just like what like it's, he's just kind of plain for me everything else around him made the story great he just him on his own was, it would be like if you had only two characters him and the other character it would be he wouldn't he, he wouldn't give you much so i don't know uh, i found the father to be rather uh because the thing is, like, while his plan, like, at first you had to, under, like, his plan wasn't easily, like, how many people do you know are going to try to steal the power of God? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not saying the plan was good. I'm just saying the actual portrayal of the character, just except for, except for when he was in the flask, you loved him in the flask. Though. I loved him in the flask. Gotcha. It's something about that pipsqueak voice and the communication and the, the whatever. But when it was in Father, it was just so blah for me. But it wasn't like, but the sh but the show was so good and everything else that like it didn't matter to me because he didn't every, he didn't need to upstage everybody else in terms of performance. I'm just right. saying like as a performer, it wasn't like he, Father came on and I was like, you know, like when Thanos comes in the room, you're like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> immediately everything's like, hold up, like let's we are all paying attention, like everything is like that, right? You know, when the when Heath Ledger Joker comes in the room. You're like everything's eyes on it. When this guy comes in a room, I could easily put my attention somewhere else if he doesn't do something that surprises me. Yeah, I would say that Dante did that for me. Like when she came into the room, I'm like, oh shit! Like, what's she gonna do? Yeah. With Father, I, I, he just seemed because he was so unemotional and felt so above it all. It, it kind of takes away, like, because the thing is, like, with the Joker or with um, Dante, and also with. Uh, even with Thanos, you get where they're, you, you know, there's something you don't know about them. You know that there's things that they, there's mystery in them. There's, you can't foresee what there's going to be. With Father, you know, he's a powerhouse. And so, therefore, you need to be like on your game and ready to, like, almost like it's purely physical. With Thanos, there's a little bit of mind games, but like, also, he's just, he's just unstoppable. Yeah. Like he's just like completely unstoppable, but at the same time he's strategic about it too. It's not like he just throws things at you and you can't do anything about it. He also like he has things coming at you at the side as well. Yeah. With Joker, you don't know shit what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. with Dante, I found that like while her plan was to like obviously create a philosopher's stone and also to keep herself young and all that stuff, 
you didn't know how she was going to go about it because she constantly was using people. Father was kind of having people use other people. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <coughs> one one thing that I loved about Fullmetal Alchemist that's been, that's been on my mind since mm. watching it again is the whole concept of equivalent exchange. Um, okay. Because, I don't know, there's just something to that, that give and take and everything that has just been sticking with me. So I'm just like switching off the villain thing because it's like it's a pop pop in my head right now. No, no, like, so like, what about equivalent exchange is the thing that like attached itself to you? I don't know. Like, it kept popping up in different parts of my life where like certain things would come up and, and it just like this made sense. It was also related to, I mean, I don't know how to put my finger on. Like I don't have like a, a, a very specific thing at the moment, but I loved that premise where they just can't do anything. And you have to t- take something to give something. There's like a science aspect to it. There's a magic aspect to it. But there's something kind of related. Like the whole show has these like, you know, seven deadly sins, which relates back to humanity. And, and uh, one would even argue religion. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes, definitely as well. Right. And mythology. And the equivalent exchange feels like it's in that. Right. Like it, it's it's. It's. I'm not saying the religion part, but it's in the the whole premise of like humanity, humanity, right? Like you can't, you don't just like, we don't just make metal. We take something and we convert it, right? Yeah. We don't just get angry. We take an emotion and, and and we convert it. We're always like changing and switching of energies and 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 cause things. and effect. Yeah, and I just it, I love that aspect of it, especially because it's like yeah, it creates limitations, but it also creates. Like it doesn't make it just like unbelievable. Like things just happen, and they can they can be explained away. That whole premise main makes everything have to revolve around it in the story. So you like the the aspect of balance then? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's balance, but it's just you know some shows just will give you stuff without really an explanation, right? Like you know, and sometimes it's fine. Like sometimes Dragon Ball is like there is no limit, and that's cool if the show is kind of built around that. But sometimes you get shows where it's like they can just kind of do stuff and it doesn't feel like it has a premise and they, they don't really tell you that it's going to be like it's all about no limits. Yeah. And then it just becomes like thing they just kind of pull stuff out of their ass while it's, as they're writing the show because they can because they didn't set up these, these, these limits. I don't know. It's something I've really liked about the show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can, I'm definitely. I definitely like the. I like the fact because like in the beginning you're kind of like oh well they can't just make whatever they want and like. Kind of like in like Harry Potter when you can trans do transfigurations, yeah. uh, and then like, but like there is a limit, but it's kind of like it's a limited limit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I definitely see what you mean. Yeah, you know, speaking of Harry Potter, since you brought it up, let's slide yeah. into the second topic being mm-hmm. the Fantastic Beast franchise. So, I'm down. Uh, let's do it. So, as you know, I recently watched the second one, which I forget the, what, the, what the part of the second title is. What is it? Fantastic Beasts, colon, something. And where to find them. And where to find them. Yeah. I just was like, Fantastic Beasts 2. Let's go watch it. So, first off, um, a lot of people didn't love it for some reason. And I, I kind of want you to talk, talk about that. They didn't like the second one. Well, <laughs> That's what I mean, the, the, the second film. Okay. So, uh, all right. So... The thing about the Fantastic Beasts is like the first movie was relatively well accepted. Mm-hmm. 
there were yeah. some people who were like uh, I would say studios and regular audiences were kind of not a big fan of Newt Scamander as a main, which is what we've talked about in a previous podcast about empathetic male heroes. Are you talking about regular moviegoers who just kind of watch things and don't know the, the, the history, or are you talking about regular hardcore um, Harry Potter fans? I'm leaving the Harry Potter fans out of this one. I'm saying the studios, the audiences, and the critics. Uh, there was kind of like a, a mild consensus that he wasn't very pronounced as a leading man they're like hey, he would have been cool as a side character but like he shouldn't be front and center sort of thing where's but our Vin diesel right yeah it kind of or where's our harry potter where's the chosen one where's someone who's a little bit more like oomph and that's where the the, uh, the discussion of our in a previous podcast where we talked about um empathetic male leads so when the second movie came out the second movie is where harry potter fans were like fuck what are you doing mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. had nothing to do with jk rowling's uh controversy because that was well before her controversy came out and uh yeah that uh, that controversy just keeps on going controversial anyway um yeah she just she should really it's interesting that a writer who's like well known for a writer just doesn't know when to shut up yeah well you know i guess i guess you know maybe she has good editors to stop those run-on sentences <laughs> or run-on essays about things that no one wants to hear about um so yeah i would say that for me i am definitely the minority in the harry potter geeky fantasy realm who actually didn't mind if not slightly enjoyed fantastic beasts 2. i really enjoyed fantastic beasts 1. i kind of enjoyed fantastic beasts 2. a lot of people uh who like the, the the fans were just like Fantastic Beasts is like a franchise that's at war with its mother base. It's like, we're going to redo things. We're going to, and I will admit, J.K. Rowling, I, oddly enough, has created some timeline issues uh, and some change, last minute changes uh, to characters that are long standing and beloved. Why she's doing that, I think that has to do with the fact that the studios are pressuring her to kind of make it less. Uh, Newt Scamander focused and more actiony badass style, which is what they're used to. So I I, I think Fantastic Beast because the thing is, the, the originally Fantastic Beast was supposed to be a five movie franchise. Got you. The, with the ending being where uh, where Dumbledore and Grindelwald, aka uh, Johnny Depp, have their big blowout. Gotcha. And then you know. And then everything goes back to normal until Voldemort comes. So that was the original plan. You, can, I can clearly see that the studios were very nervous about Newt as a main as a main guy. And also, I think once that nervousness kind of sh- showed a little bit in the like sales and criticisms and box office results, they kind of put pressure on her to be like, okay, get through the story quickly. Like, get to the good parts, get to the big things. Let's not dilly-dally too much. And I think that's the result of why the Fantastic Beast 2 was as criticized as it was. Because while I enjoyed it, I was definitely aware she was shoving exposition in. Like, there was a lot going on in that movie, and not a lot of it was explained. And... It kind of was like it wasn't even made to the situation that it can be explained later. It's not like a they didn't make a lot of cliffhangers. She just like wrapped up a whole bunch of storylines within the movie while also doing the main plot and like kind of like throwing you the the background information at you at the same time. So I, even I was kind of like, 
this really needed to be like stretched out into the second movie. But I'm thinking she's getting kind of crushed on that front. Interesting. It's funny because like now this could be off from the fact that I'm like you interested, interested in the empathetic aspect, interested into in, in the overall Harry Potter tone and world and stuff like that. But I've never been like really paying depth of attention especially harry potter came out when we were like young like in high school or, or yeah. earlier right yeah and so you know some of the stuff you're just like it's <laughs> you know like you know you're like, you don't really care um and so i actually really enjoyed it i thought it was overall the first or second one second one i recently watched it i actually really enjoyed it um i definitely felt like there were certain parts that were rushed but i actually felt overall it was a fairly well-constructed film like it didn't have giant like things that stood out to me like as a filmmaking just forget about like the specifics to that story but like i'm like oh it doesn't feel like it was missing giant pieces and then you tell me all stuff and i'm like what did i miss what am i not paying attention to <laughs> I, I would say it's the fact that you're 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 not a harry potter fan the fact that you're you're kind of like a, a harry potter harry potter enthusiast yeah yeah, yeah, lightly. Um, you know, nowhere near the Hufflepuffs camp at all. Um, Newt is Hufflepuff. Yeah, I said I'm not there. <laughs> of course he is. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I re I really love Newt, and it's part of the reason why I, like, I probably enjoy the film so much, is just watching uh, his character and how it plays out. Like, I really love, you know, yes, partly because of the conversations we've had about empathetic leads, but... Just like watching his dynamic with like uh, Dumbledore, Jacob. like yeah, oh, like, interesting. I, I love his uh, interactions with Jacob. I I do enjoy his interactions with Jacob. I feel like what I got, I got a lot of that in the first one, so it was good to continue that. But his interaction with Dumbledore in the second one really were beneficial for me because um, there were just scenes where like you could play it up, and it was like, oh, Newt's gonna step up and put the foot down. And it was just like the way he interacted was totally the opposite of what you anticipate and got the same results. And I love that fact, right? It's like they 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 they, they get all the same things done, but he doesn't portray any of the th the um, typical tropes that you anticipate in, in a male lead. So I like that breaks your expectations and it makes it more fun and interesting. It's just like when when they also identify that like Dumbledore is um, you know in like he's gay, right? Like in, in, in that film. And his interaction with him about that is just kind of like, so I found this thing. <laughs> and, right? And it's like, this is what I think this is, right? It's like this like, little pack between the two of you guys. And like obviously not in the tone that I'm saying it. And yeah. it's like, yep. Can you break it? Right? It's like it's like I love when people interact on things that are like, you know, are uh not for everybody like um how to put this um you know when people interact with people in movies that are gay and it's like, "Oh, you're gay." Oh. Right, and it, yeah. it was kind of like it was just like so what do we do? Right? Like it's like it's not even a thing. It's just normalizing like, it. Yeah, it's like this is what I think it is. Yep. Okay, cool. So what do we do about it? Like it's like not there's no interaction and you especially expect that from a from a character who sees monsters as like creatures that are just aren't, aren't understood yet you see yeah you you basically see monsters as something to be protected not yeah. to be something to be feared yeah and so he doesn't like with people he just like people are people they do what they do he doesn't really understand a lot of them but he never would judge them either and i wanted to ask what was your thoughts of the first fantastic beast compared to the second one 
I don't know. Like in some ways, I like the second one for maybe some of the reasons that the studio changed it in terms of like some of the action, and the pacing being a little bit faster than a normal Harry Potter film. But I also remember enjoying the first one quite a lot. I felt like there may be a few parts I felt were slow, but ah, I see. But at the same time, I didn't dislike it because I think I liked Newt so much. So you you like like data dumps and faster paces. Say that first part again. Data dumps. Data dumps. Yeah. Oh, I think you say data dumps, and I'm like, what are you calling me, boy? No, 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 no. <laughs> like, like, don't, don't make me have to comb through this webcam. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was saying, like, basically, you like getting like a sh- like a sh- ton of information sh- thrown at you. No, not no. I don't. I don't like that. I just like the the pacing to feel like a little speeder. Yeah, I mean. It depends. Like, it depends on a film. Depends on a story. Sometimes you can have slow pacing and stuff like that. Um, sometimes it just it depends if like you feel like you're not getting anywhere and you're also not learning a lot quickly. Okay. Like they're going slow to show you things that are really just for like hardcores. Like you're just spending time doing easter eggs that don't really satisfy the person who doesn't know everything yeah um like i don't know for instance like you go back into like original harry potters right like the first one and you're you're exploring the world and you're learning about how you get the wand and the and all these kinds of things you, that could be considered slow if you know what's coming next right but right. it's but it's world building yeah. and that's always really fun. Great world building is always fun. Movies need to do way more of that on a regular basis. Agreed. But, but I don't know if you're setting up something that's like really big and theoretical and, you know, you're not really incorporating it into something that feels like it's moving and you're just kind of like talking to the audience, but you're trying to like do it in a non exposition way, but it's taking forever. And it's like, uh, what is this leading to for me? I would say for me, um, I like the first one more. Uh, it was more of a, I would say, a well-paced story, which which I felt it didn't have too much thrown at you. And also, it kind of really focused on Jacob and Newt. But also at the same time, like I like the ending of it because like I wasn't a big fan of the ending of the second one. Uh, but like the first one, first of all, I loved Colin Farrell. I think Colin Farrell should have stayed as the main villain, as opposed to Johnny Depp taking over. I didn't like Johnny Depp. Granted, uh, there was a lot of controversy regarding him, and I had my views on that. But in terms of the actual like acting he did, I'm not saying it was bad acting, but I'm not saying it was good acting. He was just like he was just he was just acting. Like it was just meh for me. Uh, I went, but like in the first one, Colin Farrell had me. Like he like I was. I was really into him in terms of like the, the villain stuff that he was doing and how he was going about it. Like I believed him. Johnny Depp just felt like a dude who was there. Hmm. So the, I that's, enjoyed Johnny Depp in this film. Hmm. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, I just also what I really liked about the first one was it was a tragedy, uh, which I guess that's another reason why personally I find the first one better than the second one was because the death of the main villain in the first one which was undone in the second movie but the death of the main uh main bad or the 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 prudence who's now going to become you know the flash um he his destruction was actually seen as like a tragic like a failure and i actually really resonated with that 
this in this one it's kind of like uh you know Grindelwald releases all this fire, kills a whole bunch of people, and they all have to work together to stop it. Cool. They did kill Lita Lestrange, who was like that big uh, love interest for Newt that was like talked about in the first one, who's like into his, uh, who's like dating or engaged to her his brother. But like, I really liked her character, but they like really ran through that character fast. Like everything mm-hmm. about her was rather interesting, but like it all got tied up within a movie that should at least been a two movie arc. So like that's what I'm saying. Like the things like that were the things that like I really liked the elements. I love the whole thing between Jacob and um and Newt. The fact that they're both going to Paris to go find the people that they're in love with. But what can I gotta say Jacob deserves better. His girl was cray. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. Um I, let me say this because you're saying this in point and it made me think I agree with you about the love interest being too short here's the thing i i would say this is like if you spread some of these things out over two movies i wouldn't be mad as long as they didn't make it feel slow in any kind of way though i will say on the flip side though considering let's say studio interference is the reason yeah what they were able to accomplish in one film i wasn't nothing stood to me too much as like i'm upset about it whereas you get some films where you're like Yo, what did they do to Justice League? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like nothing stood to me where I was like, y'all just failed at making film. Like, Darcy, okay, so it's funny you should say that because I will say that you and I know Justice League and comics a lot better. I think Harry Potter fans would disagree with you and think that this is their Justice League. Yeah, I I hear you in terms of. I can understand what they would they would mean like yeah story wise and these types of things about the actual like mythos and stuff like that but yeah I mean like Justice League did something that that really upset me which was it fundamentally messed up like parts of filmmaking right like you know when a film condenses okay. stuff and they just make mistakes in filmmaking right like not so much story and characterization but like actual film got okay on, I'm with you. on top of that like it didn't it didn't fail at filmmaking. It may have, because you had set so much up in the first one in terms of the story, the mythos in the world, and then you condense it. Yeah, you rushed it. But if, let's say, this was an independent film, and yeah. however ability you were able to do that, right? And you didn't have a, or you maybe it was a two, two film arc, right? Like, I was, like the whole thing, right? The first film, they didn't have anything that would needed to go beyond the second film this film would have felt like cool it's it, it was a completed film it felt overall well done um it completed the stuff from the first one and great we're done right like it didn't feel like yeah you just for, didn't edit properly here you didn't do these things properly you completely switched up your soundtrack design and, and sound design from the first one to the second one your look and feel was different from the first one to the second one like, like like those kinds of things where you're like you take me out of the world and you, you make all these changes but you take me completely out of the world and just like change it to be something that it's not it, yeah it's condensed it maybe is a Coles Notes version, but it's still the same world, same story, same characters. And I didn't feel like Newt got turned into like Goku, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't flip upside down. It makes no sense. Okay, yeah, I would say that um, in terms of story and uh, timeline and characterization, 
I would say Harry Potter fans would massively disagree with you on in terms of like that aspect. But in terms of filmmaking, I definitely see what you mean. And yeah, they, I would say that they've remained consistent in terms of filmmaking throughout all the films. So like uh, that didn't that didn't get taken away. Yeah, I'll just I'll just look at all those people yelling at me and be like, just go back to Hufflepuff, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got some Slytherins coming at you too now. <laughs> yeah, no one no one needs no Slytherins in their life. <laughs> uh, no offense to all our Slytherin audience members. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> my, my man's being a Gryffindor right now. He's like, I am I am on top of the world. I can say more about shit. Yeah, you know how I am, Gryffindor all day. <laughs> So, you preferred Johnny Depp over Colin Farrell? Oh, I'm not saying I preferred him. Oh, um, okay. I, okay. No, I will. I will say that this is my my poor memory. I don't remember the Colin Farrell character as much, and I would say partly that's because I haven't watched it in a couple years, and partly because maybe I just don't really remember him that well okay. <laughs> which means uh, it, probably, it may not have gripped me as, as well as it should have hmm. one thing i would say that i'm i haven't really been a huge fan of between the first and the second as a character is the ezra miller's character like to be honest i'm not a huge fan of him either i was just i was fine that he was there but like i like i i, I, I that's what i was saying like i prefer him to be like he died in the first movie let that be the end of it I didn't like this, like, oh, he's Dumbledore's relative and whatever shit like that. And also, he's still being his still yeah. uh, crappy self. I will say that when it, when it was turned to be Dumbledore's relative, what was the other film? Oh, yeah. It was like the last Jedi film that we just got where it was like, oh, I was like, like really? Really? Like, I'm like, I, I don't know enough about Harry Potter, but that felt like some Star Wars bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Yeah, these motherfuckers are not related, okay? <laughs> Actually, it's funny you say that because um, there have been some criticisms that... So, like, the sequel trilogy in Star Wars is at war with itself and the rest of the franchise. That's what people feel about this... <coughs> excuse me. About the Fantastic Beasts franchise. It's at war with the rest of Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, like, yo, like, next week we're going to be like, and he's a second cousin to the Palpatine. <laughs> 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 I'm like he actually looks like he's more related to Palpatine than he does like Dumbledore. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Like, like I, and the thing is, it doesn't make sense. Like Dumbledore is what, like in his sixties at this point, he has a like a twenty year sixties. Oh damn, he looked good for sixties. I thought he was like forty seven. <laughs> oh oh oh, Jude Law's probably in his fifties or something. No, I know, but like I'm like also before we jump off of this, how are they going to resolve the fact that Jude Law's character? looks like he comes out of a GQ magazine and then the <laughs> other version is wearing a cloak. <laughs> also, like, h- how did he get so... Pr- like, he's also wearing, like, very... Like, he's been known for wearing very ostentatious outfits and robes, but he's wearing, like, a three-piece suit all the time that's, like, you know, like, very dark colors. Yo, I, like, you know, I, I am, I'm a fan of the way Jula character looked in this film like i'm i would be fine if that was actually how he was and he's older and he's just like a gq kind of dude and he's like really dope with the kids but he wasn't that so (laughs) i I, I would say i i had a little bit of issues with his outfit because for me the whole thing about dumbledore is like he's supposed to be ostentatious yeah 
And but the thing is, he's supposed to also be like still like really with it with the kids. I loved Jude Law's acting and characterization of Dumbledore. He did a great job being the very sagely but also warm type of uh, person who also you can tell is like has a lot of things going on. I didn't like the fact that they kind of killed his uh, his like because at, at this time period, like technically speaking, he had been wearing like really red ostentatious suits and that's when he met Vol- uh, Voldemort for the first time like by this point he's already met Voldemort mm-hmm. so that's where I'm kind of like mm? you, you know you know you know I know we're near the end here but I, I I gotta throw something out here you know what I would have loved if they'd done this film did they introduce Dumbledore in the last film or is it this film no they talked about him then yeah I, that's what I thought you know what I would have loved is if when we saw him, he's all three piece suited, and then when we when you see him at the the um, the castle, the first time he goes to the castle, you see him like just wave his wand, and his outfit shifts as he moves in, <laughs> and he and he's like living two different lives, like visually, like he's got this like persona for the kids, but when he's out in the world, he's just like dapper down. You're like, oh, he, <laughs> yo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you're like you're like they'll never know it's him, or if they do recognize him, like teach. What? <laughs> That's hilarious. That like, that would be like, wicked. He's like all ostentatious and like super red and like all this like purple and like like long beard, and then like he goes into the Muggle world and he's like this like <laughs> GQ magazine guy, and everyone's like. Damn, <laughs> yo, because because like I'm like like if they they as they continue this franchise, if hopefully they do, because I still want more. But like they are they making have to, the third one right they, now. They have to like explain that transition at some point, or otherwise it's just gonna be oh, like. Well, I mean, they do, that, I mean they don't. But then it's like all the stuff off screen where you're like, I just need a story to tell me how he how he his mind shifted because that's a it's that's a very different look. They're not. No, I know they're not going to like. Man, honestly, like, look at uh, in the X Men. Michael Fassbender's last performance as Magneto was chronologically ten years before Ian McKellen's first performance as like uh, Magneto. The, he aged quickly in those ten years, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I was gonna say, but I'm like, I guess we are in that realm where, where the issues in X Men, the issues in Star Wars. And the issues in Harry Potter are all kind of like lining up together here. We're like, you're like, this don't make any sense. Yeah, but they'll pay for the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but let me put it this way: this is exactly the problem for comic book readers. Yeah, we've had we've had that a lot, and it's interesting that the movies have now, like, for all these franchises, the movies have actually reflected the issues that people have had. It's like X Men: how many times have they re- rebooted that? Batman, how many times have they rebooted that? Spider-Man, how many times have they rebooted that? So much so that they can do a multiverse for all these franchises. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's always money. That's what it always comes down to. Even in the comic book world, right? It's like, yeah, yo, we're not making this. Enough of that. Enough of this. You know, you know what's interesting? Totally mm-hmm. random fact. But I was watching today a uh, kind of like review thing about um, Blade. And I forgot that. that oh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and how it like restarted the, the you know respect to Wesley Snipes in the Blade film really keeping superheroes alive because that came off of the heels of like Batman Forever, um, so or not Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, like it was the same year as Batman and Robin. So thank you, but he was up for playing Black Panther. I totally forgot that. Totally random. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, I just I'm just giving respect overall to 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 Wesley Snipes and that film because honestly, you know. 
we might not have had nothing <laughs> like marvel was well, in trouble and that film kind of kept things around so i would say for me i uh, hmm. i recently rewatched uh the the, Blade, the first blade movie still solid i mean the ending still kind of gets kind of weird but um well it, it could have been a lot weirder from the deleted scene for like the uh, un, like unused ending yeah, 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 yeah. How about like you know? I I really like. And also, what happened to Stephen Dorff? I know he's got a new movie coming out right now, but uh, yeah, Stephen Dorff kind of fell off the wagon there. Is, it, is that a director? Embattled. Hmm. It's it's a UFC. No, no. I mean, is is it the bat? Is it the director? Oh no, 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 no. The Stephen Dorff was the main villain. Ste- uh, oh. he was Deacon Frost. Oh, Deacon Frost guy. Yeah. <clears throat> no idea. Yeah. Cool. Embattled. Anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I think we should wrap it up there. I think so right? too. I think we've naturally come to a conclusion. Well, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, thank you for watching our uh, unique style of the Geeky Bros podcast. Uh, and uh, hopefully next week we will have our boy uh, Tactics with us. Uh, he's just, you know, getting some stunning done today. And uh, yeah, Darcy, you want to finish this off? Yeah. I mean, I got, I got nothing really else left to say. I'm out of ideas. I don't know how to do this outro. So this is the Geeky Bros podcast. I am your boy. Nope, just Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> Not tactics. The phone is gone. Uh, and this is Big Geek Umar. Uh, live long and prosper, y'all. Please like and subscribe and don't judge us for this issue. <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>